Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. It's New Year's Eve and last year, actually on New Year's Day, we did a podcast looking back over 2022 and looking forward to what we think might be coming in 2021. So we thought we'd do a similar thing this year. So first of all, in our ideas about what 2021 might be like uh, how did we do did we get any predictions right well we we did pretty well really we, we should have avoided just downright predicting like <laughs> old more, more of it old wasn't more. really predictions was it it was just thoughts about what what the shape of things might be to come more wasn't it yeah um i mean certain things jumped out at us we made the point that there are lots of other events and trends that we could have lighted on, but we lighted on a few things. And so we don't exactly do the prediction thing, the old Moore's Almanac thing. <laughs> we didn't get the crystal ball out but exactly. We, we, you know, we, we talk about trends and, and we <laughs> talked about th- conflicts that we sh- thought would intensify, you know, or struggles or antagonisms and uh, stresses that we thought would intensify. And I think we were pretty right on a number of on a number of takes, you know, and uh, I thought I was going to listen to it and think, oh, bloody hell, you know, <laughs> you expect that as much as you like, but actually it was pretty on on the uh, on the button. So I, I would recommend that you listen to it, you know, if you've got the time and the wherewithal, you know, and the, the tendency. Uh, um, it, it, just go back over our stuff. Look, find January the 1st, 2021, and there it is, 40 minutes. Very, very good, I think, actually. I was surprisingly uh, pleased. Mm-hmm. Things we got right. Well, uh, we said China would be moving up the agenda. Because at the time, you know, you were getting you were getting hints. And it's done sort of gradually. It's allowed to intensify. And we were right about that. It's intensified the, the, the Cold War with China, the trade war with China, the general cyber rattling and the whole palaver with China has intensified no end. As China moves forward and as America continues in decline, along with its vassal states like the UK. So we're pretty, pretty good on that. We got that right. Uh, we remarked that Trump lost, which he did on, uh, in 2020. Um, but it seemed to be planning an event on the 6th with things that he was saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we didn't exactly say, oh, well, uh, we're going to get a load of like people in... Um, uh, red... uh, horned helmets and... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. people, lots of people who just enjoyed face painting that day were going yeah. to just invade the, uh, the capital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this kind of like fancy dress in invasion of the capital. Uh, as capi- as uh, Congress was ratifying the decision of the Electoral College to elect uh, Joe Biden as the President of the United States, and of course on the sixth there was the uh, you know the, the the famous fancy dress uh, and homicidal because people died in that. Um, storming of the capital and, and of course that is now rolling on with trials and, and a lot of public debate about the significance of it and the talk that Trump's planning some kind of repeat performance so we were right about that we didn't get the exact detail but who could we, we mentioned um, global warming obviously it was a thing that was 
that was on, on the rise. We mentioned global warming, obviously something that was coming more and more into the into the, the public eye and that was finally getting a bit of traction with the public. And we read a remark about Mark Carney, uh, ex-governor of the Bank of England, uh, bigging up markets as, as the way to address the climate change. Of course, Mark Carney, we were right that we would see more of that and hear more of that greenwashy shit. And Mark Carney uh, offered hundreds of trillions on behalf of wealth management funds and hedge funds uh, to the effort to uh, save the world from from climate disaster at the COP uh, 26. So we were right that you know that this that both those personnel and that tendency would would continue. Uh, before you get carried away and think, oh, isn't that marvellous? The uh, the seriously rich are going to give them money to save in the planet. It looks great, and it was it was it was heralded thus. And uh, but there's Noam Chomsky remarks. You should look at the small print because they're prepared to invest, provided there's no risk. And in the small print, it says we'll invest all this money, we'll prioritise uh, uh, anti-climate change measures, provided we have no risk to our investors. An investment is normally a risk. It's kind of a gamble. It's an educated gamble. Yeah, and saying is like any investment does involve some risk. That sort of means that they yeah. wouldn't invest. No, in so they're asking, they're asking the, the governments to sort of backstop them with potential bailouts should anything go seriously tits up on some new energy modality, you know, or some better battery technology or anything like that. So we were right about yeah. that, uh, even right down to naming the fucking people. We talked about. Uh, the build-up of alternative media both being necessary and actually happening, that the the left, the broad progressive forces in society are building up their own alternative media, given that uh, oligarchs own the the old print media. And, of course, all all the print media have now got super-duper million-pound websites. And we were right about that that there would be a build-up of alternative media. We were right about the government pushing back on big tech regarding information and the way it deals with information. You know, FAMGA, basically, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Google and uh, Amazon, the way they deal with data, and that government would push back, signifying some kind of a split in the ruling class. There's disquiet about about big tech as, as a, a rogue faction of global capital. We were right about that, which of course it is. And these are the, now the biggest companies in the world, you know, and I think there's a, a couple of trillion dollar companies amongst them. The world's first trillion dollar companies are tech companies. They're bigger than big oil, they're bigger than the military industrial, they are absolutely enormous, and they have enormous power. We were correct about that. Obviously, then there would be uh, an, intent, an, an intensifying and colossal struggle for the internet, which we've been talking about for years. And, of course, we see it. It's in Congress. It's it's in the House of Commons. It's in governments all around the world. It's in boardrooms all around the world. Meanwhile, there are geeks and programmers and developers uh, um, chomping at the bit, full of, full of ideas of all the great things they can do with this, this information technology. Uh, we, were, we were wrong in, in thinking that uh, Brendan Smetana's enterprise might, might move forward a bit because he sees that there is a struggle for the internet, that's his big thing, and that, and that we should be looking at building our own 
internet with uh, li- little little uh, microwave dishes and shortwave communication. Although distribute. there are other uh, groups which are very keen on that yeah. project that might that might move the idea forward, perhaps yes. in a more organised way. Yeah, and it, it does look like it, and that these these seem like. As far as we can see, viable projects, and we will see that because it's an idea that's going to be too good to miss. And the old cypherpunks, of which there are still some about, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see the virtue of and yeah. we'll be able to persuade other people of it. So we kind of write about that, even though uh, we... I mean, I don't write uh, Brendan off. I think he may reappear. But that seems to have gone a bit quiet. I don't know what's going on. It might be because I'm not looking. We'll write about the significance of AI that it would continue to move forward really, really fast. And that quantum computing, uh, which will at some point get related to AI, will move along really, really fast. Particularly China will be very busy with its AI projects and its quantum computing projects, which we were right about. We were right that big oil would greenwash, which of course it did handsomely at COP26. Having... um, 500 delegates there were more fossil fuel representatives of the COP26 than government and, and civil society representatives more pause for stunned silence <laughs> yeah. we were right about the, the, their general yeah. tendency to, to greenwash uh, we, we were right about the, the continued development of CBDCs, in other words, central bank digital currencies, and, and the opportunities that opens up for further surveillance. Uh, we were right to, to encourage you to watch this space regarding the United States' meanness with its own internal third world, its own power, in the light of the pandemic, being a bit parsimonious, a bit mean in, in, in the extent to which it bailed out the average American citizen, whilst allowing uh, its mates in the corporations to make over a trillion dollars in profit out of the pandemic, uh, and that we would see parallel moves over here, with Tory cronyism being its particular articulation, its particular dialect in, in this country. We were right to watch this space, because, my God, doesn't that drama continue to unfold? And so, I mean, the, 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 the moral... Uh, I, I, I extract from being quite pleased with uh, what we did last year. And I didn't think I was going to be because I'd forgotten really what I'd said, you know. The moral seems to be is don't be in a bubble, you know. You do, however painful it is, have to, have to try and grasp the, the ideas, the strategies, the tactics, the people, the characters, the psychology of what is t- taking us down the path to fucking Armageddon. <laughs> so... So that's my take on what we did last year. If we can do as good a job this year, I would be very pleased. So, so what are your thoughts for 2022 then? What delights do we have to look forward to in the coming <laughs> year? <laughs> because I'm sure there is just so many. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm actually just chatting a few notes this morning. I've been thinking about this for a, for a few days and... I'm, I've been appraising myself of prognostications from a range of pundits. I mean, if you're listening to the left, you're like Chomsky and Varoufakis and people of, uh, of that um, persuasion. But also, I listen to uh, what the Economist magazine or journal has to say on it. And the Economist is a venerable uh, economics journal, over 100 years old, I believe. 
might be more than that. Might, it's, it, it's been around hell of a long time, and it basically champions uh, so-called uh, free market. And I have to say that their prognostications are incredibly bland, and their analysis is, is depthless. It's just incredibly shallow. There was not somebody on screen just screaming, "We're all gonna die!" <laughs> <laughs> Quite the opposite. Everyone, stay yeah. calm. Yeah. Don't worry, African weaving's going to do very well this year. That's right, yeah, that's kind of what they're about. No, I don't, I don't want to knock African fashion and African weaving and, uh, and any other stuff. People want to do that. That's fine. No, this good is the luck gra- to them. The gra- the gra- Best wishes to them. But if that's like one of their you know, top stories, it seems like they're missing a few things. Yeah. So I've kind of I've, I've had a look at what other people are saying, and I've I've kind of looked round and I've pursued my interests, and this is what jumps out at me, and it's a little bit more than last year because I was trying to keep it like nice and neat, but I, uh, last year, but this year I can't hold I can't ram myself into it. Um, so there's a number of topics, there's, but as I say it's what jumps out at me, and there's other things, no doubt. Uh, but the same as last year, number one point: China, 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 China. China, China. The China virus. <laughs> yeah. China virus. <laughs> uh, Biden continues with Trump's Cold War and mm. trade war. Bad mistake. Uh, President Xi is up for re-election next year by the Communist Party. He's basically he, he's going to put himself forward for another term as whatever he is. I think he's the, he's the, the general secretary of... The chairman of the politburo of the central committee of the chinese communist party or something like that anyway he's the top guy in china xi jinping and uh, the the party can appoint him to another term of office which they probably will do towards the end of next year because he's extremely capable he might be like most world leaders some kind of psycho perhaps who knows but he is extremely kind of capable he's a very very smart man with a lot of smart people behind him. It's the way the uh, oligarchical Chinese Communist Party works. It does have a very thorough uh, and accurate meritocracy for getting people who can do jobs in, in, in the right place. And I'm saying all that. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to talk them up because I'm sure they fuck up lots of times. I'm sure they've got plenty of corruption and plenty of incompetence just like everywhere else. And I'm sure they do bad things. I mean, let's just uh, say for the record here, one of our basic premises is to expect governments to do bad things, have a critical stance to all governments. Yeah. At the same time, realising that there are some things that we have to do collectively, and that requires us to be able to form some kind of body that will focus the collective will in a direction. Just so that you know that here at the outset... So I expect more uh, China, Cold War, trade war, intensification, and I expect China to carry on with its project of soft power extended uh, around the world through loans, gifts, building projects, um, involving countries uh, in the Belt and Road projects or the, the, you know, the New Silk Road or this extension of infrastructure across the world so that, well, China can sell its goods. But it's doing it in a very soft power and quite an intelligent way. It's not behaving like an imperium. It doesn't have bases. I think China has one foreign base. America has 800s. This is the different way they exert influence, you know. And uh, I expect 
that they will continue, and they are continuing, whether this thing descends into a hot war or not. I kind of think it's... I hope that there's some sense in the high places around the world. But as we know, there are, very often there isn't. In the last century, two catastrophic world wars and numerous, numerous, pretty catastrophic so-called minor wars, many of which were very, very intense and long-lasting. Expect more of that. And there'll be arguments around the Uyghurs and around what's happening in Hong Kong as China takes Hong Kong back uh, into its um, body politic. Then, of course, there'll be all kinds of quarrels and struggles around Taiwan. I hope sense prevails and it doesn't turn into a hot war, but it could. There is massive military build-up in the South China Sea, a naval build-up, including one of Boris's, or both of Boris's, aircraft carriers, which have no aeroplanes, no British aeroplanes, American and French aeroplanes, no British aeroplanes. I mean, that's just such pathetic gesturing. And cyber rattling at the tune of, uh, you know, to the taxpayer of billions and billions and billions. Ridiculous shit. It's fingers crossed on that. I don't think it will go hot, but it could, and it wouldn't surprise me either, because I think it's, it's a close bet. It's a very, very, very dangerous situation. So we're going to keep hearing about it. It will intensify next year. I'm putting my prediction on the line that it will intensify like, like next year. I do view much of this cyber rattling and, and and talk as being for domestic consumption on both sides, partly. America needs an enemy as it goes into decline and as it drags its vassals with it, they need the same enemy. That's why there's a British aircraft carrier in the South China Sea. And, you know, it, it, gives, it gives Boris some bragging points, you know. Expect more of this nonsense. And I dare say the Chinese Communist Party wants to keep the, uh, its good uh, polling in China. The Chinese Communist Party, whatever we think of it, and authoritarian it certainly is, has got like an 80 to 90% approval rating for the population. And that's not according to the Chinese government, that's according to Harvard University. Who, if they had any cognitive bias, which no doubt they do, would push the other way towards China looking shit. It's Harvard University, you know, it's the, it's the, the uh, ideological pinnacle of, of fucking Western capitalism, you know. I mean, meanwhile, I think China's pressing on with its, uh, its, its uh, yuan, its digital-backed currency, its, uh, its alliances in Southeast Asia, including RCEP and ASEAN and so forth, its deal with Iran to buy Iranian oil to the tune of, I don't know what it is, 40 billion or is it 400 billion? A lot of money over 10 years, teaming up with Russia, forming an alternative reserve currency, probably uh, as... Uh, as a central bank, a digital currency. All of this, which tends towards de-dollarisation of the global economy. This is what America's really fretting about, and it's certainly what finance is fretting about. But uh, the dollar is still the world's reserve currency, which gives America enormous power. Everything goes through Wall Street, all transactions go through Wall Street. And they cream off every time, fees. Every time they cream off, you know. Somebody called it the, the, this, this American scam of 
having the world reserve currency as a currency um, that relies on proof of war. You had a proof of stake, pr- proof of work, proof of trust. You know all these various you know, anti Byzantine t- fault tolerant proof of stake. You know all that stuff in crypto. Which well, I'm sure so, everyone listening to this yeah. will know exactly what yeah. you mean. But so, some some wag said that the, the dollar has got proof of war. Because if you don't behave yourself, they're sending the fuck. You know, you, know, you get cruise missile down your chimney. <laughs> and, I shouldn't laugh, really, but that—that's such a really, really good way of describing it. Proof of war, you know. Very so, good, yeah. And that's why they've got eight hundred bases, you know. So expect more and more. This is going to intensify, because basically um, the big macro pattern is America is disintegrating. It's taking the Western capitalism along with it, and China is bu- is building its prosperity, including its work on. Uh, general prosperity, or what they call, what they call it, common prosperity project, which they've now instituted, which is the move towards full socialism by 2050, and they're doing it in quite an intelligent way. They're going to set up a zone and try it in a zone like they did with the uh, the experimental capitalism, which gave rise to their, uh, their you know their sort of current dynamism and and, and uh, eliminated quite a bit of poverty as a sort of leg up, you know. We've got to have some kind of enterprise to leg the economy of which Deng Xiaoping saw that. And they did it, first of all, just in one area. They did it in around Shanghai, a geographical area. It says, in this zone, you can do this. rest of China have to carry on being Maoist, you know. And then when it worked there, they extended it. And this is what they're going to do with the common prosperity, which will be workers' co-ops and, and more, di- more distribution. You know, they're, they're now worried about the massive inequality that this this um, quasi-capitalism that they've got has caused. So they now, have, you know, if they're going to have this uh, com- um, full socialism by 2050, they're going to have to start doing a little bit of redistribution. And this, so they're setting up a zone of common prosperity where they'll experiment with it in a zone. And that's now afoot. And that, if it works, that 80% rating of the Communist Party will go up to 90% and they'll become very, very firmly ensconced, you know, well, they are anyway, they've been there 70 years, you know, over 70 years. So expect all this to sort of pan out, you know. Now, there might be some black black swan events or some unforeseen twists in that, and I expect there's enough potential there for twists and turns, many twists and turns. I mean, it might be that somebody thought the Chinese economy could come down over this... um, Evergrande, whatever it's called. What's it called? Over this huge real estate firm that's, that's gone bump. And, and I'm not quite sure whether, whether they got bailed out. Whether it's too big to fail by the Chinese government, you know, by the Communist Party. Or whether they let it go bump. I think it actually officially went bump, you know, it officially went bankrupt. I think so. Yeah. And... Uh, whether that would be the kind of black swan event or not, I don't know. I think I actually think China would survive it. Yeah. So that expect more of that, and you know, I think I'm so I've gone to a, a little, I've gone into a little tiny bit of detail to try and describe the situation, so you can see what's unfolding, what you know, what different forces are operating. I mean, given that. All this is happening, you've got all this cyber rattling. And why I say I think a lot of this is for public consumption on both sides. Even though hawks on both sides could do very well out of a, out of a hotter war or, or a more intense cold war. 
is because America still has huge investments in, in China. And China owns huge amounts of American debt and American uh, government bonds, which is like debt bonds, you know, securities and so forth. So there's a certain amount of, of, of hypocrisy goes on. For instance, you get Ray Dalio. And um, Mitt Romney, who are both associated with uh, a huge investment fund, hedge funds. I think Ray Dalio heads the, the world's biggest hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates. Mitt Romney, obviously, you know, a prominent American politician. Uh, cyber, both of these guys cyber rattle against China like nobody's been. We've got to put China back in its box. The problem with China is that it exists. But they invest huge, huge sums. Uh, Romney through his own hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, but Ray Dalio, the biggest hedge fund in the world. And you can see why China would seek um, some freedom from that entanglement, and which is what you know, Belt and Road. It's non-colonial kind of soft power. You know, it's uh, it's it's non-imperialist style of extending itself into the world, giving away vaccine sending doctors and so forth. But, uh, and of course, you know, the de-dollarisation is, is, is why China is proceeding the way it's proceeding. It kind of has to, what would you do? <laughs> you know. I mean, one of the gripes about China, they say, well, they've got no democracy. And of course, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're saying who you can vote for. They're saying who can stand in Hong Kong, because Hong Kong's still got these residual elections. Bearing in mind, when it was a part of the British Empire, it was never properly democratic. They're pretending now that it was, but it wasn't. But China turns around and says, their diplomats turn around and say, democracy? Well, the US variant isn't very impressive. It can't even save its own people uh, from a pandemic. You know, they're 4 to 5% of the world's population. and Whatever it is, 25% of the world's deaths. That's not a very good record for your so-called democracy. And I think fair point. So China, watch it. It's going to be all over, over the place. Keep your fingers crossed it doesn't turn into something. Because that is kiss your ass goodbye, basically. It's, that is just... You, you think we've had some bad times, you ain't seen nothing if that kicks off. So, fingers crossed. But just, it's, just a moment to look into your crystal, crystal ball. Do you think that we could see that in, in 2022? Would... Would any side really? I'm be sort of about six. I'm six. Well, they are stupid. A lot of there's a lot of stupid people in in, in positions of, of government. Oh yes, I'm. I'm yeah. stupid enough. Yeah, <laughs> and we know that the world has done this before. It's thrown itself into the abyss before. Yeah, but they haven't had weapons that we have now. No, they haven't. But they've thrown themselves into the abyss, even having the weapons that we have now. It's just kind of stayed the hand in the last analysis, but it's come very, very close in my lifetime. Mm. We were we were like four seconds to midnight in my lifetime with yeah. Cuba and so forth. Yeah. You, 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 you must never underestimate the stupidity of the, the human race, unfortunately. Nor the intelligence for that matter though. Yeah. Do you reckon you're about sixty percent on was. the side of it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah, happen? But it'll in the next it'll get year. it'll get nasty nasty, messy, noisier, crazier. But the whole thing is kind of restrained by the fact that China is entangled with everybody. The whole world is entangled with China. When Russia went down, when the, the, their socialist experiment failed, it's because R Russia really had, had been basically boycotted since, since the Soviet Union became a thing. 
And and apart from its own satellite imperium of Eastern Europe, you know, it uh, it it couldn't reach out. It 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 wasn't entangled with the rest of the world. Now the rest of the world depends on China. When you're going through your Amazon parcels, look just to see where everything's made. <laughs> yeah. Every damn bloody button. <laughs> yeah. Made that in China, use yeah. Is made in China. And you know, they own most of the world's debt. They're kind of American investors are completely up to their eyeballs in it. China's got like a, a free trade deal with the uh, the RCEP countries, which includes American military allies, South Korea, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Come on. I mean, they've boxed really, really clever and people are getting more and more entangled with China as they say to, as they say to China, come and build a support like the Greeks did when they were bankrupt. Mm, yeah. You know, build us, a, build us a high-speed rail, please, which they're doing for African countries and Latin American countries. Mm. They're getting something for it, but they're just, just getting themselves an enormous amount of kudos, an enormous amount of trust and an enormous amount of soft power. It's just a pretty unique situation. And those, country, those countries might turn around and say, well, can we come in on, on your kind of greater yuan, you know, or whatever it is that they decides going to, going to replace the dollar, which, you know. America is just refusing to grow old gracefully now and just turn, it, <laughs> turn itself into a really, 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 really civilised, artistic, creative, scientifically excellent, integrated... Uh, a, a melting pot of a, of a country of, of potentially profound magnificence, you know. Now that it no longer has to worry about being the fucking imperium, a bit like happened to Greece, you know, when the Romans took over. The Greeks were these, these avuncular, kind of intellectually and artistically superior people that even the Romans admired, you know. And they could kind of bask in that for a bit. America could do that. It should grow old gracefully. But anyway... I, I don't expect them to. I expect this to be quite messy next year. Okay, next point, COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, yeah. It will continue. I don't think it's spent yet. Uh, we expected it Certainly to... Certainly the consequences are not spent yet. That's yeah, we, sure. we, we expected it to continue last last year. Uh, I, I expect improvements in treatments. Uh, vaccines again will be revisited, and they'll get be- they'll get even better. They are they are very effective, but they're getting even better. Nevertheless, we'll see an intensification of quarrels regarding patents. That we have we have big pharma refusing to allow the developing world to get vaccinated. Africa gets virtually no vaccine. Latin America gets virtually no vaccine, except what the Cubans give them. Cuba. Tiny country, boycotted for decades by the US, which puts its economy on, in, on, on a, pretty much on its back foot, nevertheless develops a vaccine and distributes it for free with no patents around the world. Cuba. America, Pfizer, no go. American politicians, no, fuck you, you've got to pay. In my book, that, that vaccine should be... If, if you're going to save the, the world from perhaps another variant, who knows, even though it looks like um, Omicron might, might, might be the cock of the walk for a bit. It's a no-brainer, it's a no-brainer and they won't do it. They won't do, they won't do it. And governments are backing the corporations. So, we, again, more of this, more of this, the grip of corporate power. 
But I think I'm expecting some kind of improvement. I think Omicron is looking like it might be a bit less severe, but I'm not going to jump on that yet, even though there are some papers not yet been peer-reviewed, etc., etc. And it looks like the T cell response to other COVID variants is is very, very good for not letting Omicron kill us, right? And say in the UK, 90% of people have got antibodies, either because they've been infected or, or vaccinated or both. Some of us have probably got very, very good antibodies and very, very good T-cell and B-cell uh, setup. So it is going to become less serious. And there will be new antivirals and all the rest of it, more of which later. But ex- don't expect that to go away yet. Some features of the pre-COVID world will return next year, I, I would say. But not all. Not all. I think people say the world will never be the same again, and that is true. Yeah, I think so but some, as well. But some will. According to The Economist, even though the analysis is, is very slight and doesn't go beyond this point, work patterns, hybrid working, working over Zoom and that kind of stuff and working from home, through the technology, is likely to, to persist. And... I would I would say yes that uh, work patterns are changing for other reasons too. So that was my next point of interest was work patterns into the into the future in, into next year based on sort of trends that we're seeing. Uh, and in the UK and the US and the developed world in general, I suppose you see green shoots of a labour movement, uh, and that's starting to. Uh, uh, tackle uh, the precariat working, which basically was a, a really good tool in the hands of neoliberals for trashing trade unions, labour unions, as the Americans call them. We call them trade unions. And uh, this, the, the, there is now a movement, a trade union movement, amongst precariat and amongst serious contract workers and, and so-called self-employed workers, which is attempting to mitigate some of the problems for workers that this style of working introduces into life, mainly like insecurity and really a condition of slavery without benefits, you know, for workers. And we have to be very careful that the distance working, the um, hybrid working for, for bureaucrats and office workers that enables them to work from home doesn't become another cudgel to beat workers with. But nevertheless, there are green shoots of the labour movement. And, and there's, a, there's a very important point here that the world goes down the tube unless there is international cooperation, coordination of workers' movements Possibly with other movements, and I would say that's highly desirable with other movements, across the world, across the globe. And I think we have some initiatives that are now sort of building. Not enough, but they're building. And and I would cite uh, the increase in the number of strikes we're seeing. Particularly, you know, in Amazon warehouses and so forth. You know, so big, big tech isn't going to get a clear run now. 
Google of ad strikes and walkouts and things. You're not going to see them escape from this now. Their workers are waking up a little bit. But also global movements like DM25, Yanis Varoufakis' DM25, which has uh, nine members in the Greek Parliament, and the Progressive International reaching out across, across, the, across the planet. And these are building, these movements are building. And I think if they can coordinate with uh, such movements as Black Lives Matter, which was the world's biggest ever global uh, uh, coordinated protests or simultaneous protests, and of course the uh, the climate strikes and uh, all the work that's being done to put the climate issue up the political agenda in the face of the miserable failure of COP26 really to do anything but greenwash. So that is that is there is a glimpse of hope there. Obviously, an immense task and immense work. An immense project, but there is some hope there because that is happening. Hope lives here. The movement of movements needs to arise and is arising, which will globally coordinate uh, uh, and which will be able to hit capital where it hurts. I've put it um, in my notes here hence the Ferrari over BDS for Israel, you know, boycott, disinvest, and sanction Israel because of its horrible, inhumane treatment of Palestinians. Right-thinking people around the world say, well, just boycott the buggers, you know, just fucking isolate them, disinvest, just stop giving them eight billion a year to... uh, Support their genocide project. To support their genocide project and and tool them up with state-of-the-art weapons. And the Ferrari about that, I think, shows that the oligarchs really do not want people to get the idea that they can actually act en masse in a coordinated fashion across the globe, just the way that they do, and that this is catching on. This is where the hope is. It's not enough. It's small. It does not get into the news. Of course it doesn't. What gets into the news is a big stinking of Ferrari about BDS for Israel. And people promoting it are told that they're anti-Semites, because of course they aren't. They may be, but they mostly are not. And I would say the intensity of that panic, again, will intensify, intensify next year again. You think 2021 was mad, 20 years is going to be like fucking the sellers at Bedlam in 1841. But it's dawning on the oligarchs, you know, that panic is because it's dawning on the oligarchs that we might just do it and they'll throw everything at us not doing it I mean one of the things they'll do and and perhaps the line of least resistance for them is to make sure we do not get the correct information that we do not get any information that we get distracted by misinformation, COVID is a hoax climate change is a hoax Yeah, that's how they're going to do it, they're going to feed us misinformation and with a huge amount of emotional content that will just continue to divide the public and just send people off down wild rabbit holes of confusion and throwing all their energy in the wrong direction. Yeah, I just think there's going to be a lot more of that, unfortunately. That's going to get crazier. Yeah. For obvious reasons. So that brings me on to my sixth topic, 
neatly. Have you noticed how all this fits together? My brain was really in a like get things in the right order to start with mode this morning. That's unusual That's for me. That's a good mode, that one. I like that mode. Yeah. I mean, we not... should do that more often. So, yes, information. And again, expect the struggle for the web, for the internet to continue and intensify. Of course, it's in. It, it, uh, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg basic, basically lives at Congress, being quizzed by uh, AOC and, and such people about about the nefarious goings on at at his company, at a Facebook. Oh, Meta. Sorry, Meta. Yeah. It's now called Meta. Expect more and more and more of this. There was intense struggle for the control of information. By information, I mean that flow of uh, bits and bytes that is constantly circulating around the world between peoples, between groups, between countries, between communities. Um, I mean any items of meaning, really. I don't necessarily mean by information that which is true. It can be false. We can have false information, true information. Information is simply... The bits and the bites, the words, the memes, the symbols, they are circulating constantly. We're already seeing this in the uh, furore over the sale of NHS data uh, to US healthcare companies, uh, our personal data. And uh, I suppose Parliament, in its wisdom, did manage to put a little clause in there saying that we could opt out. Um, it actually, strangely, didn't apply to us. Because because our Welsh Health Service is, uh, strange as it might seem, not privatised. Uh, again, the, there were the Cambridge Analytica-type scandals, uh, which didn't really cut through to public awareness with the clarity one, one might have hoped and, and, and even expected, you know, despite books being published revealing the ins and outs of what went on there. Uh, Trump was elected in uh, 2016 by Cambridge Analytica, basically getting people to stay at home and not vote. But this approach was trumped, pardon the pun, in 2020, just by an old-fashioned ground game in Georgia, uh, by phone banks phoning around people, getting them out to vote, and Georgia historically uh, elects two somewhat leftish senators uh, and black senators and probably that was a historical precedent now uh, will it hold will that newfound grip of the ground game hold in uh, the midterms which are coming in the new year in 22 and all, all the money is on the Republicans taking back both the House and the Senate, uh, uh, rendering Biden pretty well a lame duck, and they'll get up to all kinds of mischief and hold the world back, I would say. So, well, let's see on that one. I expect that to be, either way, uh, quite indicative of the way thing, things are going, the way the game, the the stage at which the game is at. 
But one of the factors in this struggle for the internet, this struggle for the means of distributing information, is between a decentralised internet, which many uh, programmers and uh, visionaries imagine, uh, versus a completely centralised internet with uh, CBDCs at the core of that, you know, central bank digital currencies, which will give governments and corporations probably massive opportunities for surveillance. Over and against this is uh, Mark Zuckerberg's attempt to rebrand Facebook as Meta and to claim and hype up the metaverse as, as, as a new, brand new coming thing and the way in which we will do our hybrid work. We'll go as avatars into virtual offices and engage with ourselves in that sort of gaming, second life, virtual reality kind of way now Zuckerberg he is talking as though this was a new thing uh, Second Life which has been doing this stuff since I think 2006 or something like that uh, getting on for 20 years I think you know and they've been developing constantly uh, ever since its inception in sophistication and all the rest of it it's not a new thing and, but of course, Zuckerberg's got immense amounts of money to throw it, to throw at it, and to to make it stick with the public. Just as his his kind of pretty naff Facebook uh, notice board bubble manufacturing uh, piece of social media has done. So true to form, Mark Zuckerberg pinches somebody else's idea. Claims that it's uh, it's a brand new thing, hypes it up, and remains a centralised master of the universe. Over and against this, there's the dream of the decentralised internet. Nobody controls it, no government controls it, it's uh, not very easy to regulate. It's not easy to turn off. Not easy to take over, not easy to use for targeting people uh, to manipulate their behaviour, particularly their political behaviour particularly their voting behaviour I mean I don't think this receives the attention it deserves this battle for the internet, I think it gets downplayed or emphasised in the wrong way uh, It's not enough is seen of the struggle of it and too much is seen of how it can serve as some kind of villain of the piece, some kind of distraction uh, for politicians to manipulate. I mean, the only cut through I can see here is that Zuckerberg has now become a villain. I mean, I don't think he's a good guy particularly. I, I don't think these, these tech billionaires are, are a force for good in the world. Well, they are not. And, uh, and none, of, none of this has helped to this... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg conveniently fulfilling the role of pantomime villain for the uh, the pantomime, uh, which is uh, the political life of the West. It's not helped by the fact that uh, the spice bit, the, by the fact that the tech billionaires uh, are just amusing themselves, being shot off into 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 space in in, in rockets, in private rockets, and. Uh, 
their big thing is space tourism and maybe the colonisation of Mars. Now, the space antics of Bezos, Branson and Musk are not doing the cause any favour. We should be thankful for that because a centralised internet controlled by half a dozen people is not going to be a force for good in the universe either. Just incidentally, uh, Lime attempted to joke, you know, Bezos, Branson and Musk. Sound like, like a dodgy firm of accountants, you know. Uh, do not buy insurance from anybody called Bezos, Branson and Musk or go to get your house conveyanced or go and ask them to write your will or defend you in court. Bezos, Branson and Musk. Solicitors to the corrupt. So more of this expected, just more of this expected, greater intensification. No doubt many twists and turns which we cannot predict will enter the tale. Now the Economist uh, has noticed this in its uh, prognostications for 22. But again, that, that they fail to analyse properly. It's just very, very, very shallow. Will this cut through to the public this year? As I say, it's just like just... A, mm, a little bit is poking out through the surface, a bit like an iceberg. You've got the tip of the iceberg there and this vast continent of ice under the sea. And there is some reportage and we can see all these lovely shots of Zuckerberg being embarrassed by AOC and delightful they are. But that's not the whole story, you know. And especially if you kind of dip into the tech and see what people are proposing and so forth. And the dream, the dream of the decentralised internet lives on and is very vivid in the imagination of many a geek. Yanis Varoufakis has a, a nice take on all of this, on the phenomenon of the tech billionaire. And he calls it techno-feudalism. He sees it as a sort of a post-capitalist stage. So we are no longer in capitalism. We are on techno-feudalism. We are all slaves to a platform. And I think he's right about that. And Amazon really sussed this out very early on by getting small traders. I don't know, say somebody who does art suppliers, sells art suppliers through the internet and the mail and the delivery system or sells fishing tackle or some specialist thing or, or electronic components. It was just far more convenient for these people to just sit on the Facebook platform. Facebook would charge them uh, a little bit of rent, as it were, for the use of the platform, for, for the use of the infrastructure. The, uh, the servers, the relays, the, the software that does all the shopping trolleys and all the rest of it. But of course, very quickly, Facebook was uh, finding out what were the profitable lines of business and then starting up on its own, bankrupting its cl clients as it went along. They were just like the perfect victims, you know. For that kind of exploitation, and it is a feudal exploitation. And it, this strikes me as being a matter of class struggle. That very important thing that never gets mentioned. Class struggle is very intense in Amazon warehouses, for instance. 
and unions are starting to operate there and there's a, a, an immense resistance to uh, those workforces unionising. Whatever legislation exists, and they are very, very powerful, these companies, and they're really trying hard to face down any kind of combining by its, its workers or its, its feudal serfs. Uh, expect this to intensify. The tech can be used differently. It could be development. It could be developed in different directions. And the dream of the uh, of the decentralised internet is, is is one of those imaginings of a different use of the technology. But as it is, it's uh, again a pretty bad situation which will intensify uh, the antagonisms at the core of this, the tensions and the stresses and the the turbulence at the heart of this matter will intensify. Whether it'll bite through into public consciousness, again, it'll probably pop a little bit out. And, and I'm not holding my breath, but I'm hoping that we'll get some kind of bit more of a breakthrough. But if you've got your ear to the ground, you'll see this intensify. Uh, at the same time, the kind of oligopoly that the, the huge tech corporations represent does not bode well for the environment either, or for social justice either. Uh, billionaire philanthropy notwithstanding billionaire philanthropy is actually just the cover particularly in the hands of uh, big oil for influencing uh, politics and political procedures uh, from behind the scenes through philanthropic think tanks philanthropic institutions uh, do not trust it and expect to see more of this in here. More bullshit from billionaires about how they are trying to make the world a better place. They will try and sell it to you. This techno-feudalism will be advertised very vigorously. So whilst we're on tech, I think I should mention AI because last year's podcast on what we were expecting in 2021 mentioned AI, AI quite a lot and AI will continue to develop there were numerous developments in AI in 2021 as we uh, in, indicated last, in last year's uh, uh, version of Old Moore's Almanac and there have been developments in AI in drug development in, in all, ma all, all aspects of biology, in astronomy, in medicine, in modelling climate and so forth. It's just, just, just endless, endless, endless uh, uses uh, coming along and AI proving very useful. For instance, it, AI is being employed to identify drugs that might form useful treatments for COVID-19. And it's estimated that... Uh, the method of surveilling various drug options is 50,000 times faster than if it were done by hand, just by the human brain. And there are too many to count uh, AI developments. But expect this to move apace. It's not going away. And as we mentioned in the previous podcast, it could give rise to such things as autonomous weapons, some horrible surveillance... On the other hand, it could be decentralised, made available to the public at large. Communities could employ it to help them with strategies for managing their local economies and all kinds of things. 
It's one of these things that can go this way or that way. Which brings me to COP26 and the whole issue of sustainability. The uh, COP26 is generally agreed by uh, discerning commentators to be uh, an exercise in greenwash. There were far more big oil representatives and delegates at the COP26 conference than there were uh, uh, governmental representatives or uh, civil